church. So uh, let's pray for, for Happy Life and the partnership that we have with them. Uh, join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that you've given us uh, the gift of, of being a part of the lives of these Kenyan children and, and house moms and families. Father, we, uh, we receive it as a gift of your grace. And I thank you for this team that embodies the, the joy of doing ministry, the joy of the mission, that uh, they don't first go uh, to bless others. They even go to, to be blessed themselves, to be blessed with the gift of, of this grace. And Father, we ask that you would continue to, um, to pour out your blessing upon happy life, that you would become the, the father of these children Father, that they would know Jesus as, as a brother and a savior. Father, we thank you for the unity that we have in Christ. And we thank you for uh, the mission that you're doing, not just here, but throughout the world. Father, please glorify your name uh, in Kenya, uh, throughout the world, here in Elkton, uh, everywhere that we might uh, praise your name and see your, your gospel proclaimed in all of its glory. Father, continue to bless Happy Life and uh, and the work that's being done there. We pray in Jesus Christ's name, Amen. All right, so uh, we are starting a, a new series this week called Engage 2020, uh, and I feel like that this whole uh, Happy Life uh, sharing and experience is kind of a a small picture of what it really looks like to engage well in the mission and the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to form relationships, to be emotionally invested, to see uh, the mission of nothing but Jesus, not just as an obligation, but as a, a great blessing and a joy and um, moving into a, a family and a relationship with, uh, with the larger body of Christ. So uh, engage. What does it mean to engage? Um, instead of giving you a definition of what that means, uh, I'm going to give you kind of a, a picture of it. All right. I'm going to say, what does it look like to engage? Uh, let's take one, one small thing that I think we, we do every day, to engage in conversation. All right. How can you tell if someone is engaged in a conversation? All right. First, you have to actually talk to the person. All right. Uh, you enter, go to a party. Some people are engaging in conversation. Some people are not. They're the wallflowers. They're hiding on the, they're on the sidelines. All right. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Some of you are those kind of people. Uh, you've told me, and you've tried to get out of greeting time, and I have said no. Uh, all right, you have to engage. You have to engage. You have to be part of it. Uh, but uh, my wife has taught me that that is not enough. You have, there's, a, there's a difference between talking to someone and being engaged in the conversation. And when I'm on my cell phone or when I'm, I'm like off in another world, I'm not engaging in the conversation. There's no emotional investment. I'm not with them. I'm not there. I'm not uh, invested in the other person. I'm begrudgingly participating. All right. We're called to engage. That's what it looks like to engage in conversation. Uh, this, this series is about engaging in the mission of nothing but Jesus. To be engaged. To be participating first. And, but so much beyond that, to be emotionally invested to be here in the mission, to own it as our mission, not just as uh, the mission of, of our church or 
the mission of, of some people, but this is your mission, your purpose, your calling to reach all people with nothing but Jesus. Now, that engagement is going to look, uh, can, can manifest itself in a lot of different ways, but today we're focusing on, on one aspect of that, uh, to be engaged in the mission of nothing but Jesus through giving. Through giving. Now, this is a... Uh, not, I think, the most important aspect of engaging, uh, but we're going to talk about it first so that you guys have some time to, to reflect on giving. We're going to talk about that at the end. Um, but it is, a good, uh, it is a good barometer. It's a good test to see, okay, where, where are we engaged in life? What is the direction our life is moving in? And how, do our, how does like, our, our natural overflow of our finances reflect the priorities of our lives? Um, and with that, I wanna, um, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 8 and see kind of two things that, that should really engage our giving, that should draw us into this great joy in being engaged in the mission of Jesus Christ financially. Um, we're first going to see the grace of giving, that giving is, is ultimately not uh, a sacrifice, but a grace given to us by God, that it's a great gift to participate in the mission of Jesus Christ and finally, we're going to see uh, how giving is an overflow of the grace that we have received from Jesus Christ, that we give because we've been given to vastly by the great giver, Jesus Christ himself. So with that in mind, let's look at 2 Corinthians 8, uh, verses 1 through 11. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 11. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that, he had start, that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. In this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Let's pray. Father, as we look at uh, a commandment and, Father, see the example of what it looks like to, to really fulfill um, these commandments from the heart, I ask that we would look at Jesus first, that we'd give ourselves to Jesus first, and that you would change our hearts so that we would not begrudgingly be called to, to do what we, we don't in our hearts want to do, but that by the overflow of the grace you've given us, we may give with the 
for the joy of doing so. Father, that's going to take a lot of change because we're sinful. And so would you shape our hearts around the mission of Jesus Christ and give us great joy in giving to the kingdom and to the mission, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the first thing we're going to see is uh, that giving is ultimately a grace. That our generosity is a gift from, from God as a blessing to those who become givers. That that's how it's received by this, uh, this Macedonian church. So Paul's using this example of, of Macedonia to help the Corinthian church understand um, the heart of giving. And it helps us as well. It's the same, the same heart that we want to foster in ourselves um, to receive uh, the call to give as a great blessing from God himself. So verse 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. All right, so what do we see here? We see uh, that God, in his grace, has, has bestowed kind of this free gift upon the Macedonian church. He has blessed them freely and abundantly. We talk about how, how God lavishes grace upon us. And in the, the case of this Macedonian church, what did he lavish upon them? All right, he didn't lavish upon them prosperity and wealth. That, that, that's, I think, what we expect, that, okay, if, if we're going to be generous, if we're going to be those who give, what does God need to do? God needs to, God needs to bless us if I'm going to bless others. But no, that grace looks very different, and it's not the grace that we expect. No, what does he give them? He gives them a wealth of generosity, that of all the riches that he could give them, he gives them a wealth of generosity. And it's enabled by two things. It's enabled first by, by this great abundant joy, a joy in the gospel, an ability to see Jesus Christ, and ironically, he gives them extreme poverty. And these things, two, two things come together, an overabundance of joy and extreme poverty, and it creates a wealth of generosity. Now, how is that, what, what is that's happening there? How is that a grace from God? Now, the reality is that he gives them, he gives them this, uh, this extreme poverty so that, so that they can be truly, truly generous. I think we often think, okay, uh, how can I give out of my, my overabundance? No, that's not what generosity really is. It's, it's about giving beyond our means. It's about really giving up things that we thought were so important. And the thing that, that fills the difference between the extreme poverty uh, and this generosity is, is the extreme joy, the overwhelming joy that he has given to these givers. And so we ask, okay, how do I get generosity? I, God, God, fill, fill my bank account. No, fill my heart with joy in the gospel. That's how I'm going to be empowered to be generous, and that's a great gift. Because the great gift of, of this grace is he's teaching us what we really need. That what do we really need? We need Jesus. 
We need to glorify Jesus and enjoy Jesus and put Jesus above everything else. We need nothing but Jesus. And it's actually a grace to, to cut out of our lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. These things that we, we thought were blessings and thought were the foundations of our lives, we thought were our, our joy and our hope. And what are they left with? They are left with, with greater joy and a wealth of generosity. Now he goes on to describe it more, verse 3. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected. All right, so they're giving, they're giving according to their means, and then they're going beyond that, and they're literally begging for the opportunity to give. That's the, the richness of the generosity that was given to them by the Lord. Uh, the word here, the word here for favor, they're, they're begging earnestly for the favor of taking part. Uh, all right, I don't usually talk about the Greek because I don't like talking about it because it's not helpful, but there's a little number next to, next to favor. Uh, it should say that that, that word is it's technically grace, which why would you not translate it as grace? They should have. They should have. Uh, it's silly that they didn't. Basically, that like, by grace, God gave them, gave them generosity and they long for the grace of being able to give to the cause of Christ, to participate in the things that Jesus Christ loves, to, to see a need that Jesus Christ would long to fill, and to, for them to be the, the ones who can, who can fill it, who can be the hands and feet of Jesus, who can speak in Jesus Christ's name, who can give a gift saying that this is, comes in the name of Jesus. That is a gift and a grace for them, and they are longing for it. All right, that, that's the heart of giving. That's the heart, heart of giving. That's someone engaged in giving to, to the kingdom, to giving to the causes of Jesus Christ. It's not begrudging. It's not because I guilted you into doing it. I can guilt you into doing it. I can guilt you to doing it for a month. <laughs> and then after that, there'll be no guilt left. I'll get tired of guilting you. You'll, you'll feel tired of feeling guilty. You'll stop coming, and, and you'll stop giving. All right, we need to tap into the overabundance of joy that we beg to give more. Now, how does that happen? How does that happen? He tells us in verse 6, he tells us in verse 6, that this all happened because they gave themselves first to the Lord and only then by the will of God to us. Because they gave themselves to the Lord. They gave themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. That they took their, their joys and they gave them to Jesus. They gave their hopes and they gave them to Jesus. They invested their, their lives in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. And with that, they invested every minute of their time, every cent, every possession, because they, they found their life in Jesus Christ. That they saw that this, this life that they were clinging to, it was, it was passing away, and yet here is this resurrection life in Jesus Christ. The future set before them, an eternal life of glory and the, 
eternal pleasures at God's right hand, relationship with God, to enjoy the one who is, who is beauty and blessing and perfection. And then what happens to their money? Their money just follows suit. That the, Their giving is in line with the rest of their lives. All right, that's where oftentimes, oftentimes when we talk about giving, uh, we find it really hard because we are going down the road 90 miles an hour, moving towards materialism, and then we're said, oh, oh, right, I need to give money in the Jesus direction. And we're trying to throw it out the window. It just it doesn't get anywhere because the whole, whole trajectory of our lives is going this way. It just, giving becomes impossible. It's, it's contrary to the rest of our lives. All right, that's where, that's where, in some sense, I say, well, why, why are you giving this commandment first to engage with money? Uh, because it's, a, it's an indicator. Paul even says that it's a test. And it says, okay, if everything against you is, is like you cannot give and you don't want to give, it shows the direction of your life. If you've given yourself to control, then to lose control of that money is going to be antithetical to the rest of your life. If you've given your life to, to people-pleasing, and you're saying, hey, this, this money doesn't get to go there, it, it doesn't get to, to looking good in the eyes of people, that's going to be a painful process. It's going to be contrary to the rest of your life. If you worship comfort, and you're throwing money away that could be used for the, the next pleasure, it's going to be contrary to the rest of the direction of your life. Now that's where, uh, over these kind of next, next few weeks, I want us to think about what, what are those things that, that are drawing our lives towards other missions, towards other purposes? What are the obstacles to engaging with the mission of Jesus Christ? Now actually, on these, these little cards that you're going to talk about a little bit later, um, this first service might have snatched them up. We have more. Um, there's something to, to engage with, something that you want to kind of engage with, with the Lord through this next year. Some kind of obstacle that's saying, okay, what have I given my life to? How can I, how can I cut out this thing that I have, I've already sold myself to that I might be engaged with the purpose of Jesus? Um, now, how do we get there? How do we get there? That's a big call. This is what, what, that's what real obedience looks like. How, how do we get to that point? And that's where the second point comes in. Uh, we have to overflow with the grace of Jesus Christ. We need to see the, the wealth and the riches of Jesus Christ that have been bestowed upon us by grace. We might see that, that giving is actually one of those graces. Now, it starts with, uh, it starts with just a, a, simple, a simple fact that we need, to, we need to grow in these things. All right, God's graces are not just bestowed, poured upon us. Uh, you're not going to have a supernatural switch overnight. You're going to grow in love with Jesus Christ, and these things are going to grow with you. And so what does he say? Uh, he urged Titus that as he started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, as you pursue everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. All right, what's he saying? 
He's basically saying that like any other pursuit of obedience and grace, we, we grow slowly. And we start taking this thing that used to be this huge sacrifice and, and we start realizing, oh, like, I can actually survive without it. And, and Jesus now is a little bit bigger in my life. And I can cut out a little more. And, and Jesus is, is bigger than the things that I thought I desperately needed before. Now, that happens in every area of our lives. Not just financially. That in all of these things, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, can I survive without boasting? Can I survive without running myself ragged? Can I actually trust in Jesus? These are small steps. And so we're not asking for overnight success in these things. We're asking for a a day-by-day pursuit of Jesus. And a pursuit of Jesus in knowing just the the riches of his blessing. Verse 9. For you know, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. All right. We should look at the cross of Jesus Christ and we should see we are rich. We are rich. That he has lavished upon us his grace. Now, first, materially, uh, we are rich compared to the first century Jesus lying in a manger. That Jesus, the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who dwells in a, a golden castle, came down and, and became poor for us. Why? So that he might lavish his, his inheritance upon us. So he might receive the heavenly inheritance and the riches of, of joy and pleasure and peace for all eternity. We have this one who is, who is rich in righteousness and holiness. And here on the cross was just poured upon him judgment and death and the wrath of God for sin. He became spiritually poor. And what did he call us? He calls us spiritually rich. That we are not now the, the holiness of God. That we are righteousness. We are perfect in his sight. We are washed perfectly clean. That we are the, the spotless bride. And then we have the, the even the greatest riches, which I have trouble connecting to because I have trouble believing it, but we have been blessed with, with God himself. That when God gave a gift to his, to his people, he gave Jesus Christ himself. That we might enjoy his, his person, his glory, the, the wonder of knowing the one who is beauty and who is joy. And that all of these other things might pass away so that we might have more and more Jesus and have our, our, our ultimate, real happiness, hope, and joy be abundantly in Jesus Christ. That's what we need to see. We desperately need to see that. And if we see that, then that, that overflowing joy, no matter if we're in extreme poverty, will overflow in generosity. 
Are you, are you seeing Jesus? Are you seeing the cross as the, the blessing and the beauty, as your wealth, that you now possess eternal life with Christ? That's going to change everything. Now, as, as in saying that, we say, okay, it's, it's just a matter of the heart. It's about what you care about. It's about, it's about your desires. It's about uh, just loving Jesus. Uh, and in saying that, we can, we can say too much and say, well, then it just doesn't matter. Just love Jesus and it, it's fine. No, the heart expresses itself through action. Uh, Evan, uh, Evan Reynolds, he was like, hey, you, you never texted me back. And I said, well, you know, I, I meant to. And what did he say? He said, well, yeah, that doesn't count. You never texted me back. It really doesn't. Like, he doesn't know that I, I, I wished to text him back. I just never did. Uh, I probably won't text some of you guys back. Sorry. I'm not great at that. And, and, but that doesn't make an excuse because I wanted to. Um, and that's where Paul says the same thing. He says, okay, uh, we can have this great desire and we can have this longing to want nothing but Jesus. But until we actually start taking those acts of, of faith and those steps, um, we're not going to see the fruitfulness of, of this grace. We're not going to have the blessing of, of seeing nothing but Jesus as our greatest treasure. This is an act of obedience that we actually have to walk in. And so verse 10, In this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you for a year uh, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do, it, to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. All right, too many times I've, I've found myself, I'm like, oh, I should give to that. That would probably be such a blessing. And I imagine myself giving to that. And the great things that would happen if I gave to that and I feel all the warm fuzzies that come from giving that hypothetically in my head. And afterwards, I feel so good about the potential to give that I never actually give anything. <laughs> and you think, well, it, it, you know what? That's, I, I really enjoyed that thought experiment. All right. <laughs> That's not how we want to love Jesus. To love him like as a thought experiment. That's not how we want to love our spouses. That's not how we want to love our kids. We want to actually, actually love in, in action and in deed. And so um, that's what we're called to. And I recognize that's hard for us. And we're, even if we have the best of intentions, we can be spiritually lazy. Um, so that's where these cards come in. That's where these cards come in. Um, if you didn't get a card, there's some on the, the table by Aaron. Do you have cards there, Aaron? Yes. All right. So pick one up if you, if you didn't get one. Um, this is to help you do the things that I hope are for your joy. And you can wrestle with, hey, is this, is this my joy? What is my joy? What is my purpose? What direction am I going in? Um, now, the first part of that is uh, to think about, okay, how much did I give this last year? And did I want to give more? Like, do I want to? What did I want to give, and what did I, what did I follow through with? And so there's an opportunity for a, a end-of-the-year gift. If you want to do that, um, it's basically our chance to, like, hey, think, think about this. All right, the next one is, to, is the, the plan for next year. Now, I like this just because I don't make plans for next year. 
I make plans for tomorrow. Uh, and this is giving me a chance, okay, like, let's be intentional. Um, my heart is evil, easily, easy to, to be enticed when I haven't, haven't thought about the real priorities. And so this is our thing. Think about the real priorities. And the third, the last part is, is that, that obstacle, that thing you want to grow in this next year. What is the thing standing between you engaging in the mission of Jesus Christ? And the reality is it's probably not going to be just financial. It's going to be a thing that, that makes you begrudging of giving your time to Christ or begrudging of just following God in general, of, of obeying his commandments. It's going to be so much more. We want to, to see Jesus Christ and, and move our lives towards him for the joy of doing so. And my hope is that, that this is going to help us do that. Amen? All right. Uh, what time is it? Let's pray. <laughs> uh, Father, we thank you for uh, the grace of Jesus Christ. We thank you that he has lavished upon us um, riches that we were too, too blind to see as the riches that they are until you opened our eyes. And Father, I ask that these riches would, uh, would overwhelm us, would give us a great love for Jesus, would, um, would move from the, the gift to the giver, that we would delight in Jesus Christ himself as he is, who he is, what he is, and that we would worship him in our lives. Father, would you help us to give ourselves first to Jesus, for the cross to be uh, a reminder of the abundance of his grace. And Father, would we, uh, would we be wise and would we be sensitive to your spirit uh, that we would give according to, uh, to our joy. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name.